You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Jeff Mose. We've been in a series together we've entitled Old Testament Heroes. And we've been taking a look at some different characters, reminding ourselves that they're much like you and I. There are people who struggle with fears in life, but as they walk through some difficult times, God brought them to greater faith and greater trust and greater dependence upon him. Today we're going to take a look at three Hebrew young men, and it's found in Daniel chapter 3. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or as I would often say to my children when I would read this at nighttime, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed you go. Don't you think that pastor home humor is a little bit weird? The verse that we've been trying to walk through together, sort of as a driving theme of this entire series, is actually found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It says, for God has not given to us a spirit of fear, or in some translations, a spirit of timidity, but he's given us one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That is certainly true in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys faced a fiery furnace. But God had not given to them a spirit of fear. He had given them a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Now to give you a little bit of a history of this portion of scripture in Daniel chapter 3, you'll know that King Nebuchadnezzar was an evil king over Babylon. He actually came into Judah and he took it by force. And now he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into Judah, and I want you to find the brightest and starriest young men that you can possibly find, those who are best looking, those who are most intelligent, those who are most likely to succeed, and I want you to take them to Babylon. And once you're there, I want you to feed them our food, I want you to teach them our culture, and I want them to worship not Yahweh, their God, but I want them to worship the gods of Babylon. Now, the first thing they did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was they changed their names. These were not the names that they had when they were born. They were actually given Hebrew names, names that related to Yahweh. You and I would say they were given Christian names, names that related to their God. But one of the things the Babylonians wanted to do is they wanted to make sure that every time they said their name, they thought about the Babylonian gods. So they named them after Babylonian gods, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. People, isn't that how it often happens in our own life? You and I want to get our identity from the whisper of God in our lives, but the evil one often whispers something else. Maybe sometimes you think to yourself, well, I'm just not good enough. I don't measure up. I don't have what it takes. That's what the evil one whispers to you. Happened in the life of Gideon, didn't it? God comes to Gideon and he says, Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. But what does Gideon say? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm from the smallest tribe and I'm the least in my very own family. I'm not what you think that I am. Isn't it true that our identity needs to somehow be rooted and founded in God in our relationship with Jesus Christ? My daughter Lydia, when she was about in the second or the third grade, struggled with her own identity. My wife and I have often had this few as how to say our last name. My last name is actually Moose. It's the word for sauce in Dutch. Apple moose is apple sauce. But my wife, when we got married, did not want to be called Mrs. Moose. 
So when people would say Mo, she went with it. So eventually we come to the second grade, we're checking up on Lydia's class, we go and meet her teacher, and she said, it's good to meet you, Mr. and Mrs. Moosermos. Moosermos, which is it? We only have one last name here. Or girls suffered from an identity crisis. Same thing is happening with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're being called things they don't like to be called. And now all of a sudden, with the struggle of their very own identity, now Nebuchadnezzar decides that he's going to build this huge idol. And the scripture begins in Daniel chapter 3 by saying, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and he set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Can you imagine for a moment how huge this idol made of gold is? It's 90 feet high. It's 9 feet wide. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar was trying to sort of compensate for, but we often see that in life, don't we? Short guys often drive big trucks. I don't know what was going on in Nebuchadnezzar's life, but he's trying to compensate for something. He has this huge idol, and now the heralds come to him, and here's what they say. This is what you're commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, I haven't heard a great zither lately, have you? Lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing fire. I did youth ministry for about five years in Butler, Pennsylvania. It was a steel mill town. And I got an opportunity when I first arrived to go and to see Armco Steel, and you see these huge, fiery furnaces. They are incredibly intimidating. And because of the decree that Nebuchadnezzar had made, every single person bows and they begin to worship this idol. Everybody bowed except for three men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall. They refused to worship this false God. They were going to worship the one true God and the one true God alone. So eventually Nebuchadnezzar comes to them and says, listen, I'm going to give you one more try. If you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now they have this opportunity to sort of turn around, do it differently. I'll give you a second chance but they don't take it. And here's what I want you to hear me say today, and this is a critical point. A faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested by the fire, the difficulty, the pain, the hurt of this world is actually a faith that can be trusted to continue to move in allegiance to God. People, can you just for a moment examine your own heart, your own faith? Would you say to yourself that my faith is so strong in the Lord that it has the ability to be tested by the fire, the hurt, the pain of this world, and still remain faithful to God? Is your faith strong enough to somehow handle the fire of an unanswered prayer? Is it possible that your faith has the ability to handle something not being answered the way you want it to be? Is it possible that your faith is strong enough to somehow handle the inability to conceive a child? 
to handle a child that is wayward. You're praying for them to come back and they still don't. To go through the difficulty of ridicule from this world, laughing at your high school because you're following after Jesus Christ. Is your faith strong enough to handle the fire and the difficulties of this world? One of the things I want you to see about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I want you to see this about all of the characters that we're studying together in this series, is these were men and women that were much like you and I. It's not as if they didn't have goals and dreams and aspirations in life. I can imagine that these three high Hebrew young men who were probably teenagers looked forward to the day they were going to get married, the day they were going to have children, the day they were going to have a little house and a white picket fence, the day that they were somehow going to have grandchildren to sit in their rocking chair and enjoy them. They had dreams and goals and aspirations. This wasn't an easy faith for them. But they understood very clearly that if they were to deny God in one area of their life, it was possible they could deny God in other areas of their lives as well. When I look at this story, I sometimes think to myself, hey, listen, guys, just bow down. I mean, do it on the outside, even though on the inside you'll still be worshiping the one true God. God will forgive you. But they made a decision they're going to put a stake in the ground because one compromise in life leads to another. And they remain faithful and they remain strong before the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see today. I want to draw three conclusions from this story. First of all, when your faith is tested by fire, I want you to see this. Obey God's command instead of man's expectations. Whenever you go through the fire, the difficulty, the pain, and the hurt of life, I want to remind you first and foremost to obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. The scripture goes on to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, they had predecided that if there was ever an opportunity to worship another God, they weren't going to do it. Even if it cost them their very lives, they made a decision, we are going to worship one God and one God only. We are going to worship Yahweh, the God of the old and now the God of the New Testament as well, we're going to bow and yield and surrender to him alone. Young people, can I just pause for a moment and say to you, when it comes to the temptation of this world, it's really a wise thing to pre-decide what you're going to do. Not to decide in the heat of the moment, but to pre-decide when temptation and struggles, when this ability somehow to deny God in your life comes upon you, know beforehand what you're going to do. When sexual temptation comes your way, don't decide in the moment, pre-decide that I'm always going to follow after God, not after the things of this world. When somebody wants to cheat on an exam, pre-decide long before that here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to God in this. I want to encourage you, pre-decide. Long before temptation or denial of God ever comes your way, know that you are going to obey God rather than the whims and the desires of man. Now, what I love about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is these are guys who did not say in the heat of the moment, let me think about it. I mean, can I get a lifeline? Can I get some sort of help and counsel on this issue? Can I take a moment to write out a list of pros and cons? They didn't do any of that. Because you could have only one 
pro in a column. And the pro is this, obedience to God. And you could have a whole other column with all sorts of cons in it. You should still be obedient to God. Because I'm telling you, if you compromise in one area of your life, the first time when you compromise, the second time it becomes a little bit easier, the third time it comes a little easier. So first of all, I would say this, obey God's commands instead of man's expectations. Then secondly, I want you to see when your faith is tested by fire, you got to believe God's truth instead of the facts. you got to believe God's truth instead of the facts. Now, what do I mean by that? There's a lot of facts of this world, but what I mean is this, is that God's truth always trumps them, doesn't it? So the scripture goes on to say, if we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve, can I pause there for a moment? They didn't say the God that we heard about, the God that we read about, the God that our parents have passed on to us, it's really not our God. No, they said, listen, the God that we serve. The God that we've yielded and surrendered our lives to so much that actually day in and day out we serve him. The God that we serve, they say, is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. They say, in effect, here's what we know about our God. We know that our God is both able and we know that he's willing. We know that he's omnipotent in power and he can do anything that he wants and we know that his heart is bent toward us. It's one of the reasons in life you've always got to distinguish between the facts of this world and the truth of God's word. Let me walk you through some of the facts of this story. King Nebuchadnezzar built an idol. That's a fact. He told every single person they had to bow in front of it. That's a fact. He told them if they didn't bow before, they'd be thrown into the fire. That's a fact. This fire was incredibly hot. That's a fact. Anybody who went into this fire came out as a s'more. That's a fact. But here's the truth. The truth is our God is both able, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, and he is willing to save us from this. There are all kinds of facts in this world that always need to be overlaid with the truth of God's word. The fact is, nobody's ever walked on water before, have they? The truth is, Jesus did, and Peter, by the power of Jesus, was able to walk on water. The fact is, when you are dead, you don't come back from the dead, but the truth is, Jesus did, and so did Lazarus. The truth is, you may feel as though your financial situation is actually in ruins, but the truth of God's word is this, he's the great provider. The facts may be that it feels as though your marriage is absolutely horrible, but the truth is, God is the great counselor and healer of marriages. The facts may be that the things of this world are all set against you, but God has the ability to do the impossible in your life. People, I want to encourage you never to trust the facts of this world but always to trust the truth of God's word. Maybe you'd say today, listen, the fact is this, I feel very far from God. The truth is God stands to this very day with open arms desiring to receive you close to him. The facts may be today that you have messed your life up in some huge ways, feels unforgivable. The truth is God stands ready and willing today to forgive you. 
The fact is, you may have got a horrible report from the doctor, but the fact still, or the truth still is this, God is the great physician who desires to heal. No matter what this world says and all of the facts around it, eventually you've got to overlay it because the truth of God's word always trumps the facts of this world. Then thirdly, I want you to see this. When your faith is tested by fire, you've got to believe God. Don't just believe in God, but believe God. Newsweek magazine did a survey of those who live in the United States of America, and they found that 91% of us believe in God. Can you imagine how different this country would be if 91% of us actually believed God, followed after him? But they just simply believe in God. In James chapter 2.19, the scripture says, you believe in one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. In other words, it's not enough to just simply believe in God. You and I got to believe God. We got to take him at his word and we got to live it out in our lives. Maybe like some of you, I was born and raised in the church. I believed in God. I would go to church every single Sunday. We went morning and then we went night. We'd gather together every Sunday. We'd sing together hymns. We'd read this responsive reading. The pastor would get up and he would begin to speak. And then we'd close together with a hymn, singing stanzas one, two, and four, omitting stanza three. I don't know what we had against stanza three, but we never sang stanza number three. And then we'd walk out. And we actually forgot about everything that we had done that day. We'd compliment the pastor and his tie because most of us slept through the sermon and our lives would go on as normal. We believed in God, but we didn't actually believe God. The scripture says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not just believe in God, I want you to take him at his word. I want you to know that his character and his power is one that he is going to rescue you. He is able and he is willing. They knew that. But now the scripture goes on to say this, and this is probably the verse, if I'm reading through Daniel chapter 3, that I would underline in my Bible when it says this, God, we know you are both able and willing to rescue us. Then I love these words. But even if he does not, underline that phrase, even if he doesn't. I'm still not going to worship the Babylonian gods. I'm still going to worship the one true God, even if he does. That's what I would call a next level of faith, wouldn't you? I would call that a no matter what faith. Hey, God, I'm praying that you would heal my loved one, but even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to believe in you. Hey, God, I'm praying that you would bring my marriage back together, but even if you don't, I'm still not going to worship any other God but you. Hey, God, I'm praying that someday we're going to conceive a child together, but even if we don't, I'm still going to trust you. This is the next level of faith, this idea of even if. Even if you don't, God. Where else in the world are we going to turn to? Whom? 
has the words of eternal life except you. People, I'm convinced in the United States of America, we have a more shallow faith than ever before. I see it often, even at Sunnybrook, where somebody gets offended by another person, by a staff member. The next thing you know, they leave the church, they leave the faith altogether. We are so easily offended nowadays. We don't have this even if faith. Hey, God, I recognize the things of the world are the way that they are. And even though I would desire that somehow you would redeem that, you would change that, I recognize that you are God and you are sovereign. And even if you decide not to, I'm still going to follow after you. So Nebuchadnezzar says to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, I gave you the opportunity. Not only did it once, but I gave it to you twice. And you made a decision, you're still not going to bow down, you're still not going to serve this idol that I've created. So he says to the people around them, turn up the furnace seven times hotter. And they actually bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those who were the prison guards made their way with them to this fiery furnace. And the scripture says that the guards actually died because the fire was so hot. I have no idea how they got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that fire, but you and I know from the story that that's where they were. And now Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the sun of God. This little phrase, like the Son of God, is actually a very special phrase. It's found in Aramaic. And it literally means one like the Son of God. Now, it's possible theologians say that this may have been an angel that was there present with them. I think it's more likely this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. But hear me on this, because this is the most important point. You may never know the goodness of the closeness of God until you are in the midst of the fire. You may never know this calming presence of God in your life until you are in the midst of some pain and difficulty and fire in your own life. People, I often see it. I see it around here. Where sometimes people walk through hell on earth and I look at them and say to myself, how in the world are you making it through this? How is it possible for you to get to the other side? And here's their often answer, I don't really know. But somehow I know that the presence of God has sustained me through this day and I trust he's going to do the very same thing tomorrow. I often run into a lady of this church and she's making her way into church and I'm making my way out and I'll often just flippantly say to her, how are you doing? I know the unspeakable tragedy that she's been through. And she will often say to me, I'm strong in the Lord. I think that's an incredible response. I'm not strong in myself because I know what I've gone through. And in all honesty, I'm human and it hurts like crazy. But somehow, God has provided strength. Is it possible that you're in the midst of a fire today 
And the only way you can know the presence and the peace that God provides as you go through hell on earth is somehow in the midst of this fire, somehow God to move you from fear to incredible faith and deeper trust in him and for you and I to begin to see life from an eternal perspective. So the scripture goes on. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, and here's why he says this. Because you recognize, don't you, when you and I go through fire and difficulty and pain in life, and you and I cling to God through it, it gives testimony to the people around us probably more than any other time. This God is real and he's available and he could change your life. So Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. It changed Nebuchadnezzar. It changed everybody around them because of the testimony and the faith and the trust that they had even in the midst of the fires of their life. People, can I remind you today that God can be trusted? That his word often trumps the facts of this world? That he wants to be near you and close to you. He wants to see you through the fires, the difficulties, the pains of life. And he wants to provide through you this incredible testimony of his faithfulness and goodness so that others can be drawn to Jesus simply because of your faith. That you so let your light shine before men that they see the glory of the Father in heaven and they're drawn to him. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church podcast.